It's episode 43 of the Chalk Dinosaur Podcast. I'm your host, John O'Halloran, a.k.a. Chalk Dinosaur. And that's it. that intro just sounds stupid. Just sounds stupid. Uh, welcome to episode 43 of the Chalk Dinosaur Podcast. Of the Chalk Dinosaur Podcast. Welcome to episode 43 of the Chalk Dinosaur Podcast. I'm your host, John O'Halloran. And I'm here today to talk to you about the recent events that have occurred in the world of Chalk Dinosaur. I'm not going to keep talking like that. So, I wanted to uh, report, talk about some of the shows we've been playing recently. Um, Let's see, the last one was Dome Fest and Summer Camp, I think, that I talked about. Well, we've been playing, we've played quite a few more shows since then, and um, some very cool ones. And uh, I think the the next show after summer camp, well, I went on my family beach vacation in Emerald Isle, North Carolina in June. And we just so happened to get an offer to play in Asheville, North Carolina, the day, like on the last day of our family vacation. So it actually worked out perfect because we were already in North Carolina. It was the day that we were leaving North Carolina and heading back north to Pittsburgh. So we were able to just go to Asheville and play there. And it was uh, an event called Summer Sequence and it's Papadozio's um, festival in Asheville, which was really cool. Um, They're from Asheville or they're based in Asheville. So it was really cool to get to play their, you know, hometown event. And it was at a place called the Salvage Station, which was really cool. Salvage Station was one of the coolest music venues I've ever seen. Um, It was made in an old salvage yard. So there was all this, like, salvaged stuff and, like, reclaimed stuff, um you know, decorating the place, and, like, it was, there was, like, VW bus, like, on top of a box truck that was painted like a, like a peach crate, and there was, like, an old 50s car hood, like, coming through the wall of the bathroom, and, like, stuff like that, um, you know, it was, like, junkyard, salvage yard themed, but done really well, and it didn't look like a junkyard, it just, you know, had all the cool parts of, you know, old reclaimed stuff. And the way it was laid out, it was like, it was like a mini festival grounds. Like there was a building, there was an inside building, nice, uh, pretty big building. Let's see how big of a building. Um, maybe like the first level of Mr. Smalls, like that floor. Uh, and there was a bar on the side and the walls were garage doors that were opened up so the people outside uh, could also see and hear. Nice Latin rig. Great sound. Great sound in that room. And that's where we played. Um, and then they were doing it like an A-B type of thing. So the indoor stage would, when one of those shows would finish, everyone would migrate over to the outdoor stage, which was just you know 100 yards to the right. And then that show would start. And while that show was going on, the indoor stage was you know, setting up for the next show. So there's no gaps between the shows and there's no overlap. 
which I love when events are are like that because then you don't have two shows going on at the same time where you have to choose who to see and you've got bleed from the other show. Um, I just love like the back-to-back format. And um, the outdoor stage was massive. It was a massive outdoor stage and there was all these food trucks and like craft beer vendors around the perimeter and um sounded great looked great and it was dark by the time we got to the outdoor stage but uh there's a river right next to it and um it's very scenic drive getting in i didn't get to really see much else of Asheville, unfortunately except the drive in and the venue but uh it was the kind of show that i wish every show was like that one um because not only were we among like the ideal uh, other group of bands based on like the kind of music that we were playing, this was uh, the quartet, which was cool. I-, I wasn't expecting to be able to do a full band show that far away, but since Asheville is a cool destination, I think it was it was appealing um, to just go and and see Asheville, which John and Michael. Burger, they did. They went a day early, and so they did get to kind of see more of the sights there. I think they they played an insane amount of disc golf uh, the day before and the day of the show. Um, and some of their friends were nice enough nice enough to host us, so we didn't have to get a hotel, which is you know saved us. Saved us some money, and they were very, very nice hosts, um, and it was great staying there. So thank you. Um, but yeah, it was great. We played two thirty-minute sets, so it was like the tweener sets in between the big outdoor stage. So sixty minutes total, but um, man, that that room got really full. And apparently somebody reported to me that while we were playing our set, they were, they were um, broadcasting the sound from our stage through the outdoor stage's speakers, which was such a cool idea and so glad that the people that were out there could also hear the show. And it was just great because it was just like the perfect audience to play for. Everybody seemed to be you know, really engaged and it was like the kind of music that they wanted to hear. So that was like such an awesome show to play. We also got our own like green room trailer and like the staff was super nice and seemed interested. You know, a lot of times, understandably, the staff at these events, they're pretty like super tired and this staff was tired, but <laughs> you know, you a lot of times the staff is like they've, they're working and they've worked very long, hard hours, and they are maybe sometimes a little bit, you know, disinterested, which is totally understandable. I don't expect them to be like, you know, I expect them to be paying attention to their job, and, you know, I understand they're just, they're on the clock. But the staff at Salvage Station was, they were, like, engaged and, you know, complimentary, which is always really nice, and... um I got a recording of that show. I got a, ah, that reminds me, I got to mix that. And I got some video. Um, 
Let's see, mix. Sorry, I'm writing this down now. Asheville set and Thunderbird set. But, um, yeah, that show was awesome. And it, it just lined up perfectly with, like, us being able to play it. Um, and it was really cool getting to... We got to hang out with the owner of the booking agency that we're on, Pivotal. Uh, we got to, you know, spend some QT with Cole and with some of the other bands that are on that uh, agency roster, like 5AM Trio and Disco and um, Papa Dozio. We got to kind of chumming up a, a little bit with them, which is cool because they've certainly helped you know, give us a lot of inspiration and ideas and stuff through their music and inspiration to, you know, get out and perform. So it's cool getting to, you know, hang out with them on a peer level and the rest of the, the bands on the roster. So yeah, Asheville was sweet. I would love to play there again. And the reception from the crowd was was very encouraging and everybody there was super nice um so yeah that was a that was a major success and uh this past weekend we played some shows further away than we normally do one might call it touring but you know it was it was only three shows but it was uh you know in Vermont and Massachusetts, which we've never played there before or even been there. So uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about how that went and what that experience was like. Because up till this point, um, we've mostly just been playing in Pennsylvania and Ohio, like near the border um, in Columbus. And, you know, we've done a show here or there, um, further away. Like, we played at Peach Festival one year in Scranton. We played at some kind of jam festival uh, in Schuylkill Haven, which is, it's kind of, I think it's somewhere kind of near Philly-ish. I'm not exactly sure. But it was east eastern Pennsylvania. Um, we got to play Electric Forest once in Michigan, what else? Uh, we, we played a random show in Chicago a couple years ago. And I played a random solo show in Denver in 2021. So here or there, we've, we have played outside, but mostly it's been pretty regional, local. And, um, oh yeah, we got to play Asheville last, or earlier uh, this summer in June. Um, and that was like one of the first, you know, kind of out there location-wise shows that we've played. So these shows were in Vermont. We had a show in Burlington, Vermont. That was on a Wednesday. And then we played the next day in Worcester, Massachusetts, which was about, I don't know, three and a half hours away, something like that. Then we had a day off. And then on Friday, or Saturday, sorry, we played in Killington, Vermont, which was a ski resort. I think Killington, it's the name of the ski resort and it is like the the town. Um, and that was cool. All of them, you know, pretty, they seemed like pretty small. 
populations, but all the shows, you know, they went well. And, you know, there was people at everyone. I, I feel like we made a good impact on some people and, you know, got to play for, got to play for a bunch of people that hadn't heard us before. But possibly more important, um, or more impactful is, um, building the tour history in that area, which is what, um, our booking agent, Sam and manager, Rob, they, they feel that that is uh, a really important thing to be doing right now because having tour history, uh, will help in future events. Um, I guess it just gives you more booking power, more, you know, more clout, I guess. Um, what's the word gives you more credibility maybe, um, to just have shows in certain regions. So, and another part of it seems to be the relationships with the promoters, which, you know, a lot of these promoters, they do other things other than book shows at the particular venue we were playing at. They, some of them book festivals, some of them book in other other rooms in other states. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, ultimately, you know, when we look back, the effects that these types of shows were having were kind of building our, um, building our network in different areas and establishing relationships with promoters that could, you know, potentially work with us again later, um, in some other capacity. But, you know, only time will tell. Only time will tell. Because, uh, definitely early on when I, well, actually for the entirety of my, like, performing career and stuff, um, you really never know what those relationships you make are going to yield later and what they're going to lead to. Uh, for instance, Ben Pentagar, someone I mention a lot. Um, he was one of the promoters that I met in 2016 or 2015 when I started performing again. I eventually crossed, crossed paths with him, not really knowing who he was, who he knew, what his impact was and like power was in the music scene but turns out that he n knew so many people other promoters he was involved in a big festival in pittsburgh obviously he booked at the rex and he also just knew a lot of other musicians and people uh that could potentially help us out and one of those people was rob Chafin, who is now managing us, and um, so when I first met Ben Pentagar, when I played my first show at the Rex, well, it was actually my second show at the Rex, but the first one was back in 2010, I think, and Ben had not taken over yet. So this was the first time I played there and had met Ben. It was also the first, in the first like little bit of performances I I did after like a, let's see how many like a four-year break. I didn't do any Chalk Dinosaur shows for about four years. Came back and I played a show at the Rex and met Ben. 
And, you know, I think, uh, well, I must have made a good impression and he must have uh, liked me because he continued to help me after that a lot and in a lot of different ways, just giving me opportunities to play high profile shows, to open for bigger artists. He gave me, he, he got me a spot on the Thrival Festival, which was huge in Pittsburgh. And there weren't, you know, a ton of artists. He also, you know, he's, he's always advocating and sharing the music with other people. And he uh, is friends with, the, with uh, the person who's now our manager, Rob. And he was, you know, strongly advocating for us for years um, to work together. But I didn't know any of that when I met him. I didn't know any of that whenever we were playing, or whenever, I, I guess I was solo at the time. But whenever I was, oh wait, no. The first show that Ben saw was at Sl Strip District Music Festival. And that was the first show that Nick played with me. And, but you know, we had no idea that that show and then that person was going to have such a rippling effect. So I guess anytime we're, we're playing a show or doing anything, um, I'm just aware that even if it's, you know, just seems like a regular show, you never know what that's going to lead to, who's going to be there or hear about it or like what kind of effect it's going to have. You just never know. And um, so with that in mind, um, you know, it's just interesting to to do these shows. They were they were good shows. They were they weren't like the type of show we would have in Pittsburgh where we'd have hundreds of people, which has been a new development. Like that's been amazing that people have been you know, it's been growing in Pittsburgh. Um and we seem to have a lot of support here and a lot of listeners. But uh, it was more like 50 to 75 people in each place, a except for Killington, because Killington was an outdoor, it was a free outdoor concert series that they had. It was kind of like, a, if you're from Pittsburgh, like a Heartwood Acres type of thing. It's free concert, outdoors. Um, it wasn't quite as big as that, but, you know, people just like, it was just something that they did didn't probably didn't matter who was playing they would just go and set up like their chairs there were people like setting up grills and stuff and so there was kind of like a built-in audience that was probably i don't know one to two hundred people <clears throat> which apparently was a little bit uh slimmer than usual for them but this was most likely due to the flooding the massive flooding that had occurred um surprisingly we didn't really see much we we didn't go through many of the areas that were damaged like i didn't see any flood damage anywhere except on the way to killington we drove through a town called ludlow it was about somewhere between like 60 minutes and 30 minutes away from the ski resort and it was you know i've never seen anything like that like there were the, the whole road was just covered in dirt and there were huge dirt piles everywhere. There was like mud and debris on the side of the, like they had been cleaning up. It looked like pretty intensely for, um, 
a few days, you know, with heavy machinery and backhoes and, um, but it was still like everything was covered in dirt, tons of debris everywhere. And a lot of portions of road had been washed out. So it was like a one lane type of thing. Um, and the road, you know, the material under the road had kind of washed away and the road collapsed. But yeah, when I got to Killington with Nick, we, uh, you know, I talked to the guy who greeted us and told him that we had driven through Ludlow and it looked like it had gotten wrecked. And he said that Ludlow was pretty much underwater a couple of days ago. But anyway, um, they had speculated that, you know, that was, you know, probably why there were less people than usual because people were, you know, busy cleaning up and hopefully not too bad, but, you know, dealing with the, uh, the damage from the floods. But even still, like, it was a good crowd. That was the, the most people we played for on the trip. I guess I should... Okay, so that was the last show. That was on Saturday. I think I'm just going to... I'm going to go back to the first, uh, the first part here and do this in chronological order. Um, so our first show was in Burlington, Vermont. That was, that's about like nine and a half or ten hours away from Pittsburgh. And we had a three o'clock, we had a three o'clock load in. So rather than leave at, you know, four in the morning, we decided to split the drive up. So we left on Tuesday and we stopped about midway, which was uh, in Syracuse. And we, we had not been to Syracuse before. And it was a, it was a pretty cool spot. We, we only saw, you know, a bit of it but um we liked it there we knew somebody who lived there before and they recommended a pub irish pub um what was it called uh i don't remember what it's called <laughs> it's the irish pub in syracuse kitty hoynes i think that's what it's kitty mahoynes something like that but we're fans of uh the pubs we used to go to one in Southside all the time called Piper's. That was, that was the favorite spot of, um, the house that I lived in on Southside with, uh, my brother Nick and our friend Andrew, who, uh, also played bass at the time for Chalk Dinosaur. Uh, Piper's pub was the place that we would always go. Something about all that wood in the pub. It's like everything's made of wood and it's all got nice fine trimming and such. It's a, it's a jolly atmosphere. But anyway, that was like right by the hotel we were staying in. We stayed at a, uh, where did we stay? Best Western or something? I don't know. It was, uh, it was nice. Like staying in a hotel is still, that's like a novelty to me. I enjoy doing it. At this point, like, I hear from people that have to fly and stay in hotels and stuff all the time for their job that eventually they just, like, don't like doing it. But as long as uh, I'm not doing that, like, an insane amount, uh, at least at this point, you know, these weekend trips, it's still fun for me to stay in a hotel and 
kind of just see a new town, which we did. We had a fun, fun time in Syracuse. It was pretty relaxed. We just went out and to that pub, had a few Guinness out of their fancy Guinness tap, and then uh, went to bed and did another, you know, four hour, four and a half hour drive to Burlington. I guess there's not really much more to say about that, but so we got to Burlington pretty early, probably around like one o'clock. Our load in was at three, so we were a couple hours early. Um, but we went straight to the venue, and somebody was there, so we just loaded our stuff in and got it set up. Creepy early, uh, the sound guy wasn't even there yet, and then we uh, we left Nectar's. That was the name of the venue. And um, just kind of walked around a bit. So the area that Nectar's is in is was pretty cool. Um, and it's like the main part of Burlington we saw. I don't know what else really there there is. But this was like, there was this pedestrian street. Um, kind of like a pedestrian mall. That was pretty sweet. Uh, if you've ever been to Boulder they have a similar thing. It's just this big strip, um, couple blocks of pedestrian only traffic and just a bunch of shops, um, you know, bars, restaurants, stuff like that. And, uh, dispensaries. I didn't know, but weed is legal in Vermont. Um, so we walked up and down the street and then somebody um, from Pittsburgh, his name is Devin, he recommended that we go to the water, um, which was only about two blocks away. So that was really cool about Burlington. We were real close to the water, and it was a, a massive uh, lake. I hope it wasn't a river. It was definitely a lake. And I don't remember the name of the lake, but you go to the, you know, you walk to the water down the street and there's a big like marina type of thing, a, a boathouse with a restaurant, a bunch of sailboats, and then this massive lake. And in the background, you can see the Adirondacks, a, like a mountain range, just like different layers of mountains, which was really cool. It was like is like, um, you know, the silhouette of mountains in the foreground and then like right behind them, slightly more faint mountains and like a couple layers. It was cool. And we, we sat around there and just kind of looked at the water and we were waiting for our sound check. So got a couple drinks and kind of just walked around Burlington for a bit. Um, and then we went back to Nectar's and Nectar's is a restaurant. It, it's split in half. It's like one side is a venue and the other side is a restaurant and it's a pretty small room. It's probably about, Hmm. It could probably fit 150 people. Maybe, maybe, maybe a hundred, uh, it was pretty small. I'm trying to think of what I could compare it to. It was almost like if you if you took the upstairs of the Thunderbird, um, you know that upstairs portion when you walk in the front door and they got the bar on the left. 
and this this small stage and it, it was like that maybe like a tiny bit bigger um or like the spirit downstairs it's kind of like that size very intimate but the sound system was great the lighting rig was great and um it sounded it sounded great there um on stage it sounded very good and we were a little uh, nervous about meeting sergey the sound guy because um we were just uh we we, we heard he was uh he's very good and uh but also like very particular um from from another band we had heard that so we were nervous that he wasn't gonna like us and um but we met him and he was really nice and he was very good at his job um so there was a comedy show there there was a yeah it was a comedy show happening before our show it was kind of an interesting lineup so in the restaurant next door which you know there's a big open doorway you know double doorway that connects the two um there was a, a comedy show going on stand-up comedy um and then i think we went on at nine o'clock p.m and the plan was well what we were instructed to do was to we play for 90 minutes if you know the crowd's not that big or just regular and then if there's like a ton of people play two 60 minute sets so when the doors opened at eight we were pretty we were a little bit nervous it was looking pretty grim there was like two to four people in the venue so we were a little bit worried that it might end up being one of those shows where there's just nobody there because it was a wednesday and we were headlining and have never played in vermont before and i don't you know i wasn't really expecting there to be a huge turnout for something you know on our account but apparently nectars is a very um kind of a I think it must have just like a built-in crowd um and people show up there and uh, it's famous for being the venue that fish played a lot whenever they were just starting out so there's some you know history there some heritage but yeah we started the show it was not a lot of people in there but it was interesting they it was one of these places that has those garage doors that open up. So they opened up the garage doors and the music, you know, spilled out onto the street. And I like, as soon as the show started, a bunch of people started to come in and, um, you know, the next time I looked up, I, I was surprised. I was, I was thinking, um, it might not be a very well attended show. And I looked up and it was a f pretty full room. There were points in the night where it was, it was full and uh that felt very good um because we were at at the time we started the show we were kind of expecting it to be a dud because there just wasn't anybody there but i guess they were just waiting for the show to start and then they they came in um so we played for 90 minutes because i i wasn't sure what constituted like a really packed crowd like what if we should do two 60 minute sets or one 90 minute set. Um, and you know, it wasn't 
like a sold out type of density, but it was, it was full. Um, but we ended up doing the 90 minutes, the one 90 minute set. And we got off the stage. I went to the merch table and people were very generous, bought a lot of merch there. That was like the second most merch ever sold at one show, which was pretty incredible. And, um, then the manager came over and the sound guy and they were like, you know, the people outside are, uh, expecting, or they're like wondering if you're going to play another set. (laughs) And they were also like, we usually, you know, it usually goes later at Nectar's, um, than, you know, 1030 or 1045, whatever time it was. They were like, this is a little early for Nectar's. So that was a little bit alarming because <laughs> we had a plan to do 90 minutes or two 60 minute sets and people wanted more. Thankfully we had more. It wasn't like a long set more, but it was, it was maybe what, uh, it was about 30 minutes. So it was a short second set, but at least we had something and so we pretty much played, uh, we almost played everything that we possibly could have played at Nectar's. And, um, yeah, and, like, people, I think we waited too long to go back on again because it wasn't as full when we started again. But then, like, by the end, like, more different people had filled in. Like, people that had been there for the first set had left, and then other people had come in that I didn't see or recognize from the first set. And, um, and then when we finished our second set, those people were like, play more. Um, and we were like, uh, we just, this is our second set. Like we just played for two hours. Um, you know, we don't, we don't have any more to play tonight. Um, they were also pretty drunk. So, uh, you know, they were very persistent, but we did that the first time played more ended the second time there were people that were saying play more it didn't feel good to to be able to 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 not be able to play more but like we had went through everything that we had rehearsed you know two hours plus um and that was you know we had already uh, exceeded what we had been you know hired to do and uh we had to pack up and get ready to drive to worcester so Unfortunately for, you know, like the two or three people that really wanted more, um, fortunately they should have just, uh, gotten there earlier, but, you know, hopefully in the future we'll have more ammunition to kind of, you know, if there's a situation where they, you know, there's like a crowd of people demanding more that, you know, we won't be like, oh, we're out. See, that's the thing. Okay, I I guess I forgot to mention, too, that this was just me and Nick doing these shows in Vermont and Massachusetts. It was just the duo. Um, That's just what was feasible. And um, that's kind of been the plan for for the touring shows is uh, me and Nick are going to do them. Um, That's kind of the only way this, this can work. And then whenever... The, the quartet is available and there's a you know an opportunity to do a show with the quartet and play that music we'll do that 
but all the rest of the shows um, we're going to do just me and Nick. So the advantage, I mean, if we had had the quartet with us, we could have conti- we could have jammed and we really could have played a long, really long set if we would have, you know, thrown jams in between songs and stuff. But as the two-piece, it's got to be a lot more um, orchestrated, uh, the set. It's, it's less, uh, less conducive, or we at least don't have a method to really um, stretch out a show um, or to like deviate from a plan that we have created for a particular show. So that's something to think about. You know, it would be it would be a good idea to probably have some some flexible ideas that could be jammed over just like grooves that, you know, groove loops or something that that we could jam on that would be uh would be good, but yeah, the the approach for the duo is definitely like a very focused, planned, orchestrated set. Um every like down to the second is you know we've thought about beforehand and and planned so something to think about but overall the show went great the people that were there um they really liked it everybody had a lot of good things to say sold a ton of merch the staff really liked it and um Best of all, it was a Wednesday, and we were in a town we'd never been as the headliner, and it was just great that there were people there. It was a really great way to start the trip. So that was that was a success, for sure. Then um, I think we were so beat after that show. You know, the load-in, all of like the, the downtime, then the setup, then, then the show itself you know, the two hours of actual playing, well, two plus hours with the set break, and then tear it down, pack it back up into the car. We uh, we ended up getting an Airbnb that night because the hotels were pretty expensive in Burlington. So we just got an Airbnb, and we were so beat that, you know, we just... We drove to the Airbnb, or no, it was within walking distance. So we left our car at the venue, walked to the Airbnb, and just, you know, went to sleep immediately, pretty much. I mean, the thing was, the Airbnb, it was cheaper than a hotel. Um, it was very close by to the venue, but it was upstairs, right above, like, the most bumping, like, bar in Burlington. So it was a lot of uh loud music and bass like right underneath the Airbnb. And um luckily like it was almost two o'clock and then it, it shut off at two and it was already pretty late. But it really we were so tired it didn't uh <laughs> it wasn't a problem at all. But we were thinking about how it would be terrible to live there. And that's probably why they don't live there. But um, so actually I, I ended up going down there and I had, had one last victory beer and cigarette and then, and then I just went to bed and, um, 
slept very well. And then we, yeah, and we, we woke up and pretty much just left immediately and headed to Worcester, Massachusetts for the second show of the trip. The second show was about, yeah, three and a half hours probably, three and a half hours away. So we pretty much just slept as long as we wanted and then woke up and started driving. And it was really nice doing the, you know, under four hour drives. That was, that was, you know, doable for sure. This was at a place called Electric Haze in Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh, I really don't know much about Worcester, but, and this is pretty much the only place we saw. Um, it was actually a hookah bar and a regular alcohol bar, but it was like a, a pretty big open space. It was a nice space. I liked it. A lot of comfortable seating, like couches and, you know, a regular bar, but then, you know, instead of chairs and tables, it was like living room furniture everywhere, which was cool. Um, this show, we were not the headliner. We were opening for an artist named Haley Jane, who is from Burlington or somewhere in New England. At some point she was from Burlington, but now I think it was something different and I can't remember what. But she's a singer and songwriter. Used to play with a band called The Primates. Um, but for this show, it was just a solo acoustic guitar and song performance. So that was a pretty interesting uh, pairing because we played first and it was, you know very um loud like electronic music and like guitar you know <laughs> solos and <clears throat> like dance music and then it was a, a solo acoustic uh singer songwriter but i mean it it worked out she had a lot of fans there were probably you know 50 to 70 people and there was like a couple maybe it was probably under five, but there were some people that were there to see Chalk Dinosaur, which was very cool all the way out there. And same thing at Nectar's. There were some people who were there to see it and that there were people there that knew about it and listened to it. So that was very cool to see in both of those cities. Um, the people, you know, there were people there that were actually listeners and actually knew about it. And um, so that was really cool. But, yeah, most of the people there were there for Haley Jane. So we weren't sure if they were going to like what we were doing because it was so much different. Um, but the people were, you know, they were very open-minded and a lot of them seemed to like it and had a lot of nice things to say after the show. And then... Um, Didn't sell any merch at that show, but, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. We sold a ton at Nectar's and we didn't sell any, we didn't sell any at Electric Haze, but, um, the staff, they seemed to like the music and that's always a nice feeling because 
they're doing so much music and they're working. Um, they're probably, I, I would imagine, you know, you're pretty desensitized to it. So if, if anybody that's working, you know, has a compliment about the music or say they enjoyed it, that's real, always really nice to hear. Um, and yeah, uh, in Worcester, we stayed at a, I forget where we stayed, Hampton Inn or something. Worcester was a little bit sketchy. By the venue, look, you know, there was, was a lot of um, weird stores, a lot of like check cashing stores and... <laughs> Me and Nick were looking at these stores that said it just said transportation store, and and all the the glass was like papered over, and there was like security guards, and it was like a really weird store. Uh, really weird. <laughs> there was two of them right next to each other. It was very shady, and then there was you know a uh, decent amount of of homeless and kind of people wandering around. So it was a little bit less warm feeling than Burlington. Burlington had that lake too in the mountains. It was it was very uh, scenic, and um, at least like the you know we didn't see a huge amount of Burlington, but that one area with all the shops and nectars and like that couple blocks that was that was very nice. Worcester was definitely a little grittier. Um, people were nice. Everybody that we that we met was nice, and um, but yeah, uh, that show I felt like that was a success as well. I mean, for coming to a place we'd never been like that, it's uh, I really didn't know what to expect, but. I was I was prepared for there to be like five people or something at these shows. And there was, you know, 50 to 70 at both of these shows, maybe more, 70 to 80 at that Nectar show. So, um, yeah, after the Worcester show, stayed at a hotel. We had the we had Friday off. We weren't able to book anything on that Friday, so we had the day off turned out to be very nice because we were both pretty exhausted from all the driving, packing, unpacking, you know, setting up, just all this stuff with the shows, um, which we'd only played two shows in a row, but still we were, we were tired and the day off was nice. And the place we had the day off in was Killington, which was amazing. We went to Killington the following morning on you know friday morning we went to killington and it was great because in our deal with killington they you know the uh lodging was a part of the deal so we had a place to stay in killington resort it was they 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 put us up in one of their condos like their ski condos which was really cool so we got to killing i already described like getting there we drove through ludlow which got like leveled by the floods um but killington you know it was up you know you had to go up a lot of elevation to get there so it didn't look like 
there was really any damage up at the resort. But one of the roads getting up there was closed, but um, there was a couple different ways you could get there. Um, so we we got there and we checked into the condo, which was cool. It was like a ski cabin, like a two-bedroom ski cabin, like a loft type of thing. It was really cool um, to stay in a place like that. Very um, unusual. You know, it's usually hotel. But this was ski condo. And they had like a, you know, they had a building that had a pool and a hot tub and stuff that you could walk to. And so that's what we did. Um, like we went and checked out the mountain a little bit and we, we ate at a tavern. Um, and then we went and we went to the hot tub, which was, it turned out to be like an outdoor, like this really big outdoor hot tub. Um, and that was very, uh, peaceful. That was, and that was awesome. Cause we had been doing, I mean, it was a lot of driving for, for us. Um, obviously compared to what some people are doing, you know, there's people that are nuts and they're just, you know, they'll do that, you know, all the time, but you know, we're, we're new to this. So, you know, it was a very welcome, like, peaceful day off, sit in a hot tub, drink a couple silver bullets, a couple dad waters, and just, you know, relax. It was great. It was a great place to have the day off. It was very scenic, and coming from Worcester, no offense, Worcester, but the Killington Resort was, like, <laughs> was great to be at, and... Hmm, I kind of regret not taking the ski lift. They had a ski lift oper a couple ski lifts operational because I didn't really know this, but everybody goes to that resort in the summer to mountain bike. They take the lifts up and then they mountain bike down trails. I didn't know that was a thing, but there's a lot of mountain bikers there. And I thought I wanted to do that, but then I was I don't know. I just like didn't I forgot about it, like going to the top. Probably should have gone to the top of the mountain, but I, I, I don't really feel like I regret it. I just remembered that I had wanted to do that. Probably would have been a good view, but then we went out to buy a lift ticket. Um, yeah, it was a it was a pretty cool resort. They had they had like a ninja warrior course. Like it was like a you know not as intense. It was like a shrunken one which was cool. We did not do that, but I don't even know if it was open. They also had like a high ropes course. They had this mountain like swing zoomy roller coaster thing. It kind of just like zoomed you up to this really high point on a, you know, a wire. And I guess you probably got an amazing view up there. And then it like shot you back down. Uh, like a, like you're in a, like you're sitting in like a roller coaster car on a zip line or something and like took you up and then you slid back down the line after you got a few moments at the top. Then they had an actual zip line. So there's people zipping around. They had one of those mountain like bobsled wagon. Uh, what do they call those? Luge type of things 
like a mountain slide or just this I think it was a track actually but you sit in this little car and you've got brakes and then you just like ride down this track that winds around the mountain what else hmm I think that was uh I think that was all the attractions I can remember there was a a big lake up there but anyway, um, the show, the show was, you know, it was a very luxurious setup, luxurious in the amount of time we had to set up and do our sound check. Um, you know, it was very leisurely and not rushed, which is always great. And, um, you know, it sounded great on stage, which is always a plus, always amazing when it sounds good on stage and um there was one other act before us and it was a, a solo person with a uh, guitar and some effects and stuff so it was a minimal so we could leave our stuff up on stage which is nice um let's see the crowd it was probably about like one to two hundred people sitting in the grass in chairs. It was a sunny day, which was, thank God, the weather was good that day. People just hanging out on blankets and chairs out on this lawn in front of the the stage. There was, uh, it was like next to a road and people, this is like a thing that, that they do that, you know, it's like an event, they'll go and they'll just park and tailgate like on the side of the road, like looking at the stage. People had this one person had a big like RV type vehicle and they had set up grills and people were cooking. It was cool. Um, I have to say most of the people were older than the usual crowd. It was, I mean, forties to like eighties, forties <laughs> to eighties, <clears throat> which we were like, Hmm, I don't know how they're going to react to the music that we're about to play. But it turned out that a lot of them really liked it. So that was great. And actually, the the person that was dancing the hardest was like the oldest person there. She was like 70s, maybe older than 70s, maybe 80s. But I remember like glancing up during our set and she was dancing... Like, she was, like, the most into it out of anyone else there. And then the people she was with, who were younger, they were also into it. But it just, like, made me smile seeing this old lady, uh, <laughs> like, really enjoying it and dancing. And then I talked to them afterwards and her, and they had a great time. So I was really happy because we weren't sure because it's, you know, the the show that me and Nick do we're playing a lot of the electronic repertoire from Chalk Dinosaur, so sometimes that can be a turnoff for people, but, you know, there's drums and there's guitar, and people can definitely connect with those two instruments. So hopefully the rest, that is synthesizers and, you know, backing tracks and, like, electronic-sounding stuff is, you know, just support for what we're doing, uh on our instruments and 
hopefully it's enough that people can connect. And I guess it is because, you know, these people really uh, had a lot of nice things to say. I think the only, the only downside of this show was that there was uh, apparently like um, the, the person who booked the show, the talent buyer had an expectation that it was going to be the quartet playing and he was upset when he found out that it was the duo. Um, and this was, uh, f- this was frustrating. Um, and it's something that we're going to have to figure out how to deal with. And it, it f- just feels bad to feel like, you know, uh, you did something wrong or like you have disappointed or misled someone. But, um, yeah, we'll have to figure that out. But at the same time, I, you know, we had not said it was going to be the quartet. Um, I don't think our booking specified that either. I don't think anybody specified that. Uh, but you know, I, on one hand, I'm used to the confusion because the music I release is, you know, if it's my solo music, it's very electronic. If it's with the band, it's very rock. If it's sometimes I do like singer songwriter music, it's very all over the place. And I could see how it could be confusing um, for somebody upon first glance. You know, it, it takes a little while to wrap your head around the entirety of what chalk dinosaur is so i understand his confusion but i also am i also feel like uh if somebody hires chalk dinosaur it should be up to the artist what repertoire they play and what personnel they use to play that repertoire and for the duo songs you know, that's how you play those songs with two people in that arrangement. I didn't feel that we were compromising quality or, or watering down the product at all. Like that's, you know, the authentic faithful way to play a song like sun goes down or East wind or lickety split. Like that's just how we do it. Um, but I, I feel like people get they get the impression that when there's only two of us, it's a watered down product and that's very frustrating. And, um, but you know, that's just, I've just accepted that people are going to be confused. Um, we're going to try to, we're going to try to get better at creating the right expectations. Um, but you know, there've been plenty of other times where, you know, I might be like DJing or something and somebody's like, Oh, like we thought it was going to be the band or something. And it's just me. I always tried to specify with the DJing because that's where I feel like there's, that's where I feel the need to specify because then I'm not playing any instruments. It's not live. It's just, I don't want to say that like diminishing DJing, but it's, that's a totally different thing. But if I'm doing a solo show or I'm playing, guitar keys, um, running the sampler, like doing vocoder stuff or talk box stuff. 
I still think of that as live. So, <clears throat> and it's, it's interesting. Like, I think it's now, it, it's getting on a bigger scale maybe now. And that's why people have expectations. And also like the last album we released was a, a full band collaboration album. So that, you know, maybe that's what people are hearing and that's what they're expecting. But, you know, they just don't know the older stuff, I guess, that, that we play as a duo. But I've released new stuff that we, we played. Um, and the only way to play it, some of the new stuff is as the duo, or that's the only way it's been played so far. Um, but, you know, I'm used to people not really asking or, or caring, like what kind of band arrangement I, I use for, to, to play Chalk Dinosaur. You know, we did Electric Forest as a duo. We did Summer Camp as a duo. We did Peach Fest as a quartet. We did, you know, and nobody's ever, nobody's ever um, really had anything to say about it. It, it, was, it seemed like it was up to us to decide how we wanted to play our music. And that kind of feels like right for me. So it's always a little bit, I don't really know how to to feel whenever uh, people um, start to have expectations about what music we play and how we should play it. Um, so I'm just trying to figure that out now. I think, uh, yeah, because it's like, I don't know, I'm trying to think we've definitely had a few instances now where we show up as a duo and people and like the talent buyer, some something is like upset that it's not the quartet. And I'm trying to think if whenever I was trying, okay. So for in 2016 and 2017, me and Nick were playing as a duo, like we are now. And I was trying to get a full band together. I was trying to get the quartet together and so I started peppering in as, you know, as our band developed and like started to feel confident playing as a quartet, I started to pepper those shows in whenever it made sense. And I'm trying to remember like if people were, would go to one of those shows expecting the duo and then getting the quartet and being like, what is this? Like, I don't, this isn't <laughs> what I remember you know, I'm upset. I don't know. Expectations. Gonna have to get used to not uh, worrying about that because <laughs> it's just, uh, it's it gets annoying. And it's especially annoying with Chalk Dinosaur because it's it's so many things and I've kind of just accepted that people are going to be confused and... You know, it's going to take more than a quick glance at Chalk Dinosaur to understand what what it is and, you know, how wide it is. So, you know, I think just need to focus on put out the best music we can, play the best shows we can, no matter what arrangement we have. Just do the best we can and, you know, try to come up with a way to clarify what it's going to be. So we just had a meeting with Sam and Rob, our booking and management, and I think what we're going to do is we're going to call 
Chalk Dinosaur, that's the duo. So whenever people see Chalk Dinosaur with no extra adjectives, that's just the two-piece, me and Nick, uh, because that's what is going to be touring. And then for the quartet or more, like for four or more people, we're going to call that Live Band. Uh, they thought that that would be the simplest and clearest, so we're going to go with that. So we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, the the new... I have a new full-length coming out. I mean, all the songs are already out, but they're all, they've all been released as singles. Uh, I was doing that experiment where I was releasing monthly singles uh, from, you know, 21, 2021 to 2022 and into 2023. And that experiment worked very well. It took it took probably six months of releasing a single every month, but at a certain point, Spotify really started to um, bolster those single releases. It took took pretty consistent, persistent releasing of singles. You can't just do one here and one there. It was like six straight months of releasing a single every month, and then Spotify started to like pump those singles into people's, you know, weekly playlists or discover weekly. Um, and eventually gained like a whole lot of monthly listeners through that. But, uh, anyway, I'm packaging all of those together onto an LP called punch funk love. And then I'm going to, you know, delete those singles and it'll just be the full length album, but that's coming out in August August 15th and you know that that's pretty representative of the kind of music that we play that me and Nick play um whenever we do a duo show so hopefully that'll help like balance expectations because you'll have the two most recent albums will be stuck in between which is you know that represents the quartet and punch funk love which represents you know the duo but you know I, I still trying to figure out how to how to manage expectations of other people uh that's been very tricky and i'm very grateful to our manager and booking agent for you know working with us uh despite this kind of unorthodox situation and you know they don't seem to be too worried or phased by it so that makes me feel better they they seem to have an idea of how we should uh, you know, phrase things or, or handle it. Um, but I think, you know, the artist should be free to play the music, their own music, the way they want to play it. And, but I do think that, you know, we need to be clear so that we don't, because it doesn't feel good when, when people uh, feel that they've been misled or that they're disappointed or that they feel like we're giving them something of lesser quality because there's less people, which that bugs me that, that that's just a perception that exists um, that because there's less people, it's a watered down product. That's pretty frustrating. So um, yeah, I don't know. And then we've got a couple shows coming up where there's going to be three people and like, what do we need to say about that? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I, whenever I started out playing solo in 2015, I never specified 
what it was going to be. It was just, if Chalk Dinosaur gets booked, I show up. People didn't know what to expect, but they had an open mind, and then they liked it, and and then eventually there was two of us. Again, it never specified Chalk Dinosaur or this or that. It was just Chalk Dinosaur. And then there were three of us. Andrew started playing with us, and then John. There were four of us. I never specified at any time that it was going to, like, I didn't feel the need to specify uh, what the band arrangement was. But now, maybe because it's starting to scale more or we're reaching, you know, different places and people are paying us more money, like maybe now we do need to specify to make sure that we don't... um, To make sure it just feels like we're not, like, misleading people somehow. Um... But yeah, me and Nick were very frustrated uh, about having to just just the expectation and and like the the feeling of somebody being upset about what your band arrangement is. But honestly, we never talked to that person. Um, I mean, our booking agent and and manager kind of were the ones interacting with him. So if they hadn't said anything, like we would have had no idea that anybody was upset that it was a a duo and not a quartet. Um, so, you know, it was nice. They gave us a heads up, though, I guess, in case we did talk to somebody who was <laughs> upset that we would know why. Um, but no, we didn't. I don't I don't think we ever saw that person. We, we were trying to figure out who it was and we didn't we didn't know. But I just hope we both hope that that they watched the show because we feel like they would feel a lot better um, about it if they watched the show and saw that it was it wasn't like a watered down version of Chalk Dinosaur. It was authentically performed, no compromises. It's just a different repertoire than they might have saw when they skimmed over our top song or something or like saw some of our videos on YouTube. It's just a different repertoire. But um, we thought they, you know, would feel better about it afterwards. And and the crowd really liked it. Um, the staff really liked it. Um, so we think, we're hoping that they saw it and they felt better about it because it never feels good to feel like you piss someone off. But uh, thank you to them for having us. Thank you to Electric Haze for having us and for Nectars for having us. All of the staff at all those places was really nice and they were all very good. And all the people that came out were all very nice and had a lot of really nice things and encouraging things to say to us after we played. We really weren't sure how this style of music was going to go in any of these places. And in every place, people were very encouraging and excited about it and supportive. So thank you to all the venues, all the people, and to Rob and Sam for setting us up and getting us out for the first time in Vermont and Massachusetts. And um, good job, Nick. Uh, we... We did a lot of driving. It was a lot of driving, spent a lot of time together, but 
the shows went well, you know, we got along well, uh, which, you know, doing all that work and driving and stuff together, it's, you know, it's a test in itself and, uh, everything went well. I had a good time exploring those places with him and, uh, just hanging out and talking about the shows and doing all that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see, you know, what, what is the true impact of these shows? You know, it's going to take time to see. It might not reveal itself until later. But on the surface level, you know, we made some new fans. But I think there will be a deeper impact in some way that will reveal itself later. Um, because it seems like everything has that deeper layer of impact that isn't immediately apparent. So we'll, uh, we'll see. We got, I think the rest of the year is just festivals for us. That was like, that was the most crowded week of playing. Uh, cause we played farm jam also within the week. So we played four shows in a week, which was, I mean, that's the most shows we've played in a week before. <laughs> and so next up, we have Flood City Music Festival in Johnstown, August 5th. Pretty excited about that one. That one's going to be the quartet. Um, got a good lineup. I think the stage is probably going to be pretty sweet. And it's not too far away. Pretty excited about that. And then we have Secret Dreams on Thursday, August, Thursday, August, <clears throat> sorry, I got to look at my calendar, 17th. And then after that, we go straight to Garefest on Friday, August 18th. And those shows will be special because... Well, we're playing those two shows as a duo, but not really because our cousin Bobby is going to play with us. He's going to play those two shows with us um, on percussion. So we're going to have drums, percussion, and then me. A new arrangement. We're super excited to get to have Bobby on stage with us because every time we play music with him, uh, he's just like an energy force that um we've just wanted to do this for a while and finally you know got it lined up so we're super pumped to be able to play with him and we think those shows will be very interesting and you know bobby just brings so much energy and such like a good vibe to the table that it's going to be great um really looking forward to it Very interested to see what, because he's an amazing rhythm, rhythm, anything, you know, beatboxer, percussion player, anything he does, like just a rhythmic, such a rhythmic person. Um, and I've heard him and Nick jam together on, at Summer Dance, they were just playing like pots and pans and tree bark and like, they were just like playing stuff around the campsite and it was great. Like I was very, <laughs> I was very entertained listening 
So I'm pretty excited to hear what they can do together with actual, you know, on an actual stage with actual instruments, <laughs> uh, like in a live setting. I think it's going to be great. And then the week after that, me and Nick are doing a Friday in Denver after party for my morning jacket at this place called New Conscious. Uh, and then that's going to be a crazy weekend because we, we play that show in Denver late night because it's an after party. And then we have to fly to Indianapolis the next day to play in at a music festival called Harmony Valley. Um, so that's going to be an intense two days. Um, but a, like after that, that'll be, that'll be the end of the intense, like bulk, like crammed together travel stuff. The Vermont, like the farm jam Vermont week, we knew that was going to be kind of grueling. And then that, um, those two fly dates, which would be interesting. This will be the first time we've done a fly date where we fly to a show and, you know, they have drums and guitar amp set up at the show for us. And then we have to bring a couple things, a couple of our like specialty items. And then they provide like the big bulky stuff. So we'll see how that goes. It, if we can fly, like if that turns out, I mean, it might not turn out good and we, we should still give it a chance, but that would be pretty sweet if we could do fly dates um, and just fly somewhere and show up and, and play. That, that would be really cool. So I'm, I'm very interested to see what that's like, but these two festivals are condensed very, uh, very closely together and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a little hectic, I think, but, um, you know, we're, we're ready to, we're ready to do it. And after that, yeah, it's, we've got a couple shows here or there after that. I'll just post a calendar. Right? I don't want to go through all of them right now. Kind of weird on the uh, podcast format, just listing off shows. But, um, Yes. I think that's it. Uh, I'm happy to be back right now. And I'm setting up, after I do these podcasts, I'm setting up setting up the instruments again. Um, you know, the drums, the guitar. I'm going to set up some mics because Michael Berger, our bass player for the quartet, he's coming over so we can jam. Oh, I didn't even talk about Farm Jam. Man, Farm Jam was great. Um as usual, Farm Jam was awesome. On We played on Friday night, and we were the last band of the night on Friday, so we started at midnight, and then we played for, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. And, um, and then after we were done, we left our instruments up on stage, and, and people, people jammed. So Stevie Polito of Northside organ trio and um, the clock reads he was jamming Michael Berger played a lot I I uh, jammed a bit with John Henderson Steve Leip he was playing some uh, Joe Marino 
and then a bunch of random people that I just met uh, that weekend got up and and jammed, and it was uh, the jams were great. It was so much fun, uh, especially when like you know someone different gets on an instrument, and you don't know how it's gonna go, and then you end up getting into something cool together, and it's someone you know you never met before and you find some common some common ground on some cool groove or something that that everybody's like feeling and building together it's very cool love the jams that's what inspired us to want to do that today to get together and jam and we're gonna do that again next week with john henderson who will be able to join us but yeah i was like I was listening to Michael and John jamming and some of the stuff they were doing and I've I felt like ah oh, we need to we need to jam like this and I need to record it and we need to I feel like we need to harvest harvest the creativity of those you know improv jams there's there's a lot of I think there's a lot of parts about Michael's playing that is constricted in like the music that that is like pre-written like the chalk dinosaur music um there's a lot of like really good cool groove ideas and things that I heard and things that I hear him play when he's improvising with a drummer that you know I want to build some of the music around Michael's bass playing or around John's guitar playing like the things that he was doing whenever there was a jam where I was playing the bass and he was playing the guitar and he was getting very uh, textural with his tones for part of it. And that was really cool. Like he was making, he's doing some really textural, interesting stuff with the guitar, but then also he was also just playing, you know, we got into some cool jams and, see that's something that we don't get because whenever we get together it's always to practice like to run a set and then you know everybody's time is very uh it's much more competitive now and and busy for everybody so it's harder but you know we haven't really i haven't really put in an effort to try to get us all together to jam so that's what we're doing today with me nick and michael and then next week with all four of us because you know sometimes i feel like the best ideas and the best playing that i hear out of michael and john are whenever it's in those types of scenarios where it's like a freeform jam and then like whenever everybody gels into like you know a cool groove or like whenever they're like in the flow state or something and they're like, you know, they play some really cool stuff. And, um, I would like to build around that some because that's a, that's a, just a big part of music that we haven't really, it's kind of, um, dropped off the improv, like the jam sessions where we kind of find new sounds and, find new ideas and stuff um, just due to lack of time together. 
Um, it's usually got to be, you know, we're trying to nail a set down, but I feel like we know our set, like the quartet, we know our set, we know the songs in our set pretty well now. I don't know if we really, like, I think our time is better spent now if we're going to get together to just jam and I'm going to record it. We're going to see what we get and just give ourselves the space and time to be loose with the music and just, um, explore. Um, and you know, I've, I've seen that with Nick too. And at at summer day, I think he was, he was asleep at farm jam. So he wasn't in on the jams, but I've seen it at summer dance when he'll play drums and I, you can tell he's like in a flow state jamming with a, a group and like so he plays like some awesome stuff and it's, it's just so much different for everybody when you can see them get into like a flow state and be fully relaxed and, you know, inside of the jam, like they're fully like present in, in like the jam and the kind of stuff they play and the way they play is it's like, that's what I'm trying to capture. And I don't know if that, ha- that happens to me sometimes, but uh, you know, and for me, it's like, I've got to be fully, I've got to be fully relaxed and just like get to a place where I'm not thinking, um, and, um, you know, I get there sometimes, but it's very, I feel like I can tell when other people are in that, like people that I know, especially people that I play with a lot, like John and Berger and Nick, like there's something that's very hard to capture in like a clinical writing sense. Whenever we're like, all right, let's sit down and write a song. It's very much different than, you know, we've been kind of then when a group has been kind of playing an idea and kind of like finding an idea or a groove or some kind of something together, you know, for 10 minutes and then they arrive at like something very cool and then it morphs into something else. It, it, it's the kind of places you can't just get to right away. Like it takes takes time and exploration to get to some of these really cool ideas and you can't just go from zero to 60 like creatively and just like think of something like that. You have to get there through the, the stepping stones of, of, of jamming together and like the kind of, you know, chemistry and like reactions and stuff that have to happen to arrive at some of these places it just won't happen alone and that's like the the magic of the group and the band and that's like what i want that's what i always wanted in like an ensemble or group is like to find those those kinds of places that you can't just sit down and compose you have to find them together and uh that's just like one of the coolest parts uh, about playing music and it always has been. And that's, that's why, you know, me and Nick and John and our friend Andrew, we used to jam all the time and record all our jams 
And then before we had met John, me, Nick, and Andrew were jamming. We recorded hundreds of jams um, where we would just put turn on a recorder and start jamming. And then when we would listen back, we would find those. You forget a lot of what you played, but when we listen back, you know, we'd have like a two hour jam session or an hour or something. And then we'd, you know, play video games while we listened to the jam session. Uh, and then there would be certain spots where, we're, you know, you could hear that we had, we like converged on like a cool idea for a little bit and it might've, you know, petered out or like we might've lost it after a bit, but like we stumble upon these ideas together and there are things that are like, wow, that was really cool. Got to remember that. That was really cool. And it was just so entertaining to go back and listen. It was like listening to, uh, I don't know, you're on the, you're on a journey and uh, you don't know where you're going to end up sometimes, most of the time. And um, that's kind of, we loved doing that. Um, that was That was what we spent our time doing not really writing or I don't know, trying to think of like lyrics or anything like the, uh, the jamming and kind of finding cool new ideas together in real time with everybody's input. That was like the, the cool part, um, for us as a group. So I think it's, I think we all agree uh, we want to do more of that and and get more in touch with that because that's that's where the magic happens, you know? Like, I can write a song on my own. John or Nick or Michael can write a song on their own, and we can all play it, and it can still be, you know, that can be good. That's also really good, but it's totally different, and it's totally, you know, it lacks, like, the holistic alchemy that when you write all together at the same time that that has, that that can generate. Like, the ideas are much more segregated. Uh, anyway, wow, just went off on several long-winded tangents. But yeah, Farm Jam was amazing. This might have been the biggest fire ever that I ever saw. Oh, and One Time Weekend was so good. Uh... I sat in the barn and watched their set and uh like the band is so good and the guitar player is amazing. He's like a he's a seems to be like a metal influenced guitar player, but he's playing in like a pretty well, I don't know, their genre skipping was very wide. Like they would play some songs and it would sound like metal and then they would play some they would go into like more of a traditional funky sound. And, but it was just, you know, I was blown away. I'm always blown away by whoever is playing on Saturday at that time, like nine o'clock, 11 o'clock. <clears throat> There's always like one show that's just like a, an amazing show. Like one of the most amazing shows I see all year is Saturday night at, at Farm Jam. And this year was the same. Um, so definitely was inspiring and, Made me feel like, you know, I would like to be better at the guitar and have more control over my instrument. It's always good. Um, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off now. 
because uh, I think I've been talking for a while, and I hope everyone has a wonderful, wonderful day, wonderful summer. Uh, I'll talk to y'all real soon now. So y'all take care. Bye bye. Y'all take care now, okay? All right. Good night. Good day. Good evening. Good morning. And if I don't see you again, good afternoon, good evening, and good day. That's from The Truman Show. You ever feel like you're in The Truman Show all the time? You're going to walk into an imaginary.